Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Do not go gentle into that good night. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen, your co-host. And welcome back to another episode of Black True Crime. If this is your first time here, welcome. We love you What's already. Going on? Come through. You may not like us yet, but give us a chance. You will. Either way. Today. It's fine. <laughs> well, yeah. Either way, I'm not going to lose sleep. Um, <laughs> either way. Welcome to everyone, and we're really excited about today's case because, well, I am. Kristen doesn't know anything about it because it is a doozy, okay? It's a little bit fucked, but it's really, really interesting. So we should have fun together. Before we get started, Kristen just rolled her eyes, everyone. I'm like, you, like, I would love to say something, but at that moment, you kept talking, so I didn't want to cut you off. (laughs) Thank you for that. Do you want to say something now? No, because then that, now okay. it doesn't feel organic. Okay, okay. Well, before we get started, I am looking a little paler than most. It's because I've been feeling so terrible. I've had like a constant headache for days now, and I just don't know what's going on. I'm nauseous. It's just the whole fucking thing. So if I put these sunglasses on in the middle of the episode, my Patreon people, you see me, then that's why. Mm-hmm. She's been going through it, you guys. Pray for her. Yeah, good prayers. And also, if you drink guys, a lot of water. Oh well, I always do. That's all I drink. I don't. I don't fuck around. R.I.P. to Young Dolph. Cause what the heck? What the fuck, Kristen? I literally took a whole day off yesterday because of it. I was heartbroken. It's so and sad. it's really sad. Prayers to his family. Also, didn't like Julius Jones get? Didn't his like execution get stayed? Yes, which we are extremely happy about. But what they really need to go forward and do now is reopen his case and retry him. Because with the information that we know now, it's almost like a whole different case. And I do not think he would be sentenced to life if they reopened his case and retried him. Uh, The retry, I don't know too much about the details of the case. I'm going to do a little bit more research after, um, actually after we record, but it seems like retrying him would be stressful as hell. So I don't even know if that's the best route to go. But like I said, I don't know about the case. Either way, his execution was stayed and now we can figure out, you know, what the fuck really happened. And Yes, yay! and we can move forward. But yeah. something needs to happen because just seeing some of the evidence, it just seems like that man should not be locked up for the rest of his life with no chance of parole. Like that doesn't yeah. quite seem like justice to me. So I'm happy yeah, for well, the stay the- of execution, but there's mm-hmm. more that needs to be done. Yeah, and the parole committee like requested, recommended life with the chance of parole twice. So hopefully that works out. All right, are you guys ready to get started? Let's do it. Yay. 
A disorganized serial killer is a type of killer who can be described as random, careless, and aggressive. They have almost no strategy of killing and usually don't stay within a victim type. They just kill to kill with almost no attempt at covering their tracks. Today, we are going to be discussing a disorganized killer that would escape justice enough times for six lives to be lost at his hands. Join us as we discuss the monumentally deadly actions of a man named Lemuel Smith. God, that damn name sounds like a seasoning. <laughs> well, I, I just don't know. <laughs> just, it's spelled L-E-M-U-E-L. And I just, my brain is like, what is the sound that that's supposed to make? Lemuel. Lemuel. You made that sound way easier. I mean, it's kind of cute. I'm not going to lie. I'm here for it, but I'm going to probably call him Lemmy throughout this because it's easier on my, my <laughs> verbiage, my mouth, my tongue. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lemuel Warren Smith was born on July 23rd, 1941 in Amsterdam, New York. Kristen, what happened in black history in 1941? Well, I'm glad that you asked because I have a little tea for you guys. But first I want to say black people are beautiful. Okay. Yay. I went through something today, which was something so slight that probably no one noticed. But basically I was in a coffee shop and there's this guy who was like the bus boy and he was white. He went and talk to every other table with white people and he didn't talk to any of the table with black people to try to pick up wow. their trays. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just noticed that and like instead of hardening my heart and wanting to punch the man in the throat because that was <laughs> a thought I was just like you know what stay beautiful because at the end of the day racism still exists you know prejudice still exists but that's not going to dim my shine. So moving Period. forward back in also, 1941. Also hold on hold on hold on quick question. What coffee shop is this bitch? <laughs> Why? Which one was it? Which one was it? I'm not calling names. It, it, well, okay. ironic. It was actually <laughs> called the Black Walnut Cafe. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll do better. Black Walnut. All right. And tell your bus boys to get over himself and do better. Okay. Yeah. So back in 1941, you can only imagine what our beautiful black people were going through. Picture mm -hmm. this. Um, World War II was among the first and realest moments where black people started to become more recognized for good things, such as valor, courage, and determination. Did you know that more than one and a half million black people served in World War II in the military? What? Yeah. One and a half million black people. Now, this did not, it couldn't have just happened like that, like that, because before 1941, black people served in separate battalions from their white compatriots or whatever you call those. Right. right. Um, but they were often led by white generals and people mm -hmm. that were just in a higher ranking than them. So Duh. imagine being in the army, trying to do something for your country that doesn't already like you. And then you yeah. have a white general bossing you around and telling you what to do. So even though the frustration is just phenomenally humongous black people were still able to do amazing things within the military so 
What happened on June 25th, 1941 was President Franklin Roosevelt issued Executive Order 8802, which basically desegregated the defense industry. So no longer are we allowed to have these separate black battalions and separate black forces. Now everybody is fighting together. It also created the Fair Employment Practices Committee, which basically was in response to this march that was supposed to happen by the Washington movement. They were threatening to protest, but Mm. what President Roosevelt did was he he included the Fair Employment Practices Committee into this executive order. And because of that, the march was suspended. So basically, he was saving face. Good job, Mm -hmm. Franklin. But don't get it twisted. Black people were still facing fascism abroad and racism within their own ranks. So, yeah. In 1941, the first national hero of World War II emerged his beautiful black head on the Mm -hmm. West Virginia Navy ship in Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Doris Dory Miller was the first national hero of World War II and became the first black person to be awarded the Navy Cross. Go ahead, Dory. This was said about him. While at the side of his captain on the bridge, Dory Miller, despite enemies stressing and bombing and in the face of serious fire, he assisted in moving his captain, who had become mortally wounded at that time, to a place of grave of greater safety. And then he later manned and operated a machine gun directed directly at the Japanese attacking aircraft until orders to leave the bridge came upon him. So basically, he stayed, got his captain to safety, and then still kept fighting, helping them, I guess, mm-hmm. move forward or advance in Pearl Harbor. Wow. Some things that also happened because of World War II was because there was so much labor needed in the factories to create the war machines that actually helped them win or helped us win World War II, so many black people migrated from the South to the North and the West. This Mm -hmm. migration transformed American politics because now blacks are voting from all different areas. (laughs) Yeah, us blacks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel no types of way. Do you? Yeah. I just felt like I was like in the Django or something. (laughs) Okay. Us beautiful blacks. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Us us black people. We're now voting in many different jurisdictions more than we were before, which we were really only in the South. Mm -hmm. So that's what I have for 1941. There was so much more stuff that I could have covered, but I was like, we ain't got time. Mm -mm, We don't have time, guys. And if you guys want Kristen to just like do a special little thing on her own maybe like some extra patreon content right let us know because we can definitely set that the fuck up yeah let us know like a mini episode series assigned yeah we're also already planning to add behind the scenes footage of this shit that goes on over here because usually it takes us like an hour and a half to even start getting recorded but we're always like bullshitting making jokes having fun whatever being irritated having half fun the time. is a question I was gonna say, <laughs> that's questionable <laughs> it's different every time and we want you guys to kind of like ride the wave with us so that's going to be available starting this week this episode on uh, um patreon yeah five dollar tier or higher so yeah Okay. All right. Get back to the store. So Lemuel, aka Lemmy, was born July 23rd, 1941 in Amsterdam, New York. Now, all I could really find about his childhood was that he came from a religious home and not just like, oh, religious, 
we go to church every Sunday. It's more of like a, you're going to hell if you cross the street the wrong way. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Wow. According, according to Lemmy, he said he was mentally abused, actually, as a result of this, like, overzealous religious convictions. And it mostly stemmed from his father. So he may have had, you know, a little bit of daddy issues, but I I don't want to speculate. He would later admit that when he was 11 years old, he nearly smothered a nine-year-old girl to death. Okay, so you Mm -hmm. happen to be getting Bible thumped all your life. How do you end up almost smothering a little girl? I don't know, Kristen. I couldn't find any information about it. It was a huge leap. Because right. I'm like, so literally for unknown reasons, at 11 years old, he's already homicidal. Like, what is happening? I need them to connect those dots for me. Yes. And with it being religious or whatever, we don't know what religion it was. I'm going to mm-hmm. assume Christianity because, come on, that's what most black people in were America. raised on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in America. Absolutely. So that's where we're at. So we don't really know how he got here yet. So it's not surprising to me that the media didn't cover any of his upbringing and stuff like that. So as far as him going to school, graduating, even having like living siblings, I couldn't find anything about that. But at 16 years old, Lemuel, Lemuel, Manuel, Lemuel. Okay. I can do it. Kristen, I can do it. You know, I know I can can. do it. Mm -hmm. Lemuel would find himself in serious trouble because he was the prime suspect for the robbery and murder of a woman named Dorothy Rodder Street. Uh-oh. So on January 21st, 1958, Dorothy's body was found at around 1130 that night by a pastor who lived nearby. And he said he could actually see her body through the window of his house. Oh my god! Which imagine is extremely just looking morbid. out. I was gonna say, imagine just looking out your window, and you're like, hmm, "What's that?" And then you just your that? eyes adjust, and it's a mm-hmm. whole body. Oh, god. I would scream, Kristen. I would scream. Ah! I would probably do that. I right mean, there. I feel like you kind of went through that when you was living in the hood in Newport. Bitch, let me tell y'all <laughs> what happened really quick, really quick, y'all. So I was living in Newport News at a place called Cottage Grove Apartments. If you can relate, message me. That shit was horrible. And a lot of military people lived around there, but a lot of like, you know, hood people, whatever, who cares? And I woke up at 5 a.m. one day. I used to sleep on my couch because I would fall asleep smoking and whatever. So I would sleep on my couch, was woken up at 5 a.m. by gunshots, right? I look out my window, see people running at 5 a.m., see people running, and there's a man on the ground. Child. And he he was there for a long time. Um, you know, help came. They worked on him. They took him to the hospital, and he ended up dying like two weeks later or something. So it was really, really sad. I was like, what the fuck? So, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So some of you are going to be like, well, why don't you jump your ass out there and help? Child. What, I, what can I do? What the First fuck can all, I do? Even if you could have been pumping on his chest off and the bleeding, you don't know when people was coming back. Like, you just really don't do things and like that. Help the got hood. there so quick. Like, there were so many people that lived around there. His neighbors and stuff, they came right outside, were on the phone with, you know, police and stuff. So they were already acting before I even was able to get off of the couch and, like, realize what happened. So, Good. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I wasn't a bystander that did nothing, you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> don't shame so when, her. <laughs> I was about to say, don't come burn me. So when police arrived, they found Dorothy unfortunately dead at the scene. And according to a doctor, Fred Pepito, who conducted her autopsy, her head and face were beaten almost beyond recognition. And it is said that she would have died instantly. Wow. Which is actually, I feel like, really rare when it comes to beatings, you know, like being beaten to death or something like that. So I guess that's a really good thing on Dorothy's behalf. She didn't have to suffer too long, you know? Right. And we don't know, well, maybe you know, but I don't know if he beat her with a thing, something that, like, had a blunt force to her or just his bare hands. Like, it wasn't disclosed. If there was an object involved, it wasn't disclosed. Mm-hmm. Dorothy was a 46-year-old mother of five at the time of her death, and she was well-known in the Amsterdam community, and it may have had something to do with her husband. So her husband was a na- man named Charles Waterstreet, and he was actually part owner of the Miriam and Waterstreet Funeral Home, okay. which is so sad. What if he had to I be know. involved with oh, I know. God, that's immediately where my mind went. I felt so bad for him. So rest in peace, Miss Dorothy. Rest in peace, Miss Water Street. According to police, the murder happened in or very close to the neighborhood Limwell was living in at the time. And that based on the evidence they found during the investigation, all roads led back to this 16-year-old boy. Lemmy is 16, Kristen, and he just committed a heinous murder. A gruesome, grotesque murder. Egregious. Just yes. disgusting. How how did he have so much force in him to beat that woman like that? Well, if you look at the pictures, he seems like he was a big man, like a big guy his whole life. Oh my so gosh. he it was probably easy for him to overpower her, you know? Just wow, yeah, he's a huge boy. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's a big boy. Big boy. When authorities questioned him about the murder, they were apparently too aggressive in their attempt to get him to confess. And for this, among other prosecutorial fuck-ups, Lemuel was never arrested or tried for Dorothy's murder. So be angry now. (laughs) I was going to say, it's just one of the moments where you're just like, ooh, like I just really wish that it was probably some racist stuff. I I can assume that the people who arrested Mm -hmm. him felt some type of way about the fact that she was white and he was black Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it just sucks because a person who actually did commit the crime is now being saved by the racist society that we live in yep yep which is so backwards it seems but it is (sighs) after this lemmy probably felt like the block was a little too hot for him and he decided (laughs) to relocate to baltimore maryland Mm. B-Boy, baby! PG County! Stand up! Pretty Girl County! Kristen, is that the area code? Yes. One of them. 443? Kayla, 443 was Aberdeen, Maryland. Same shit. It was close. All right. We lived in Aberdeen, you guys. So... (laughs) Right. We don't really know now, but... I have a friend who's from B-More. He's the 301, so... Who? Who is? You know people? You always like to call people's names. Yes. Justin's from Baltimore. Oh, okay. I didn't know. All right. And when he got to Baltimore, he tried to murder again. Mm -hmm. Lemmy kidnapped a 25-year-old woman 
severely beat her and almost killed her. Almost. Because the queen survived. And she was able to report her attack to police. Amen. Amen. Lemuel was actually charged with assault for this. So he was actually charged. Thank God. And he was actually convicted. Okay. It's the small victories. So how much time did he serve? Girl, he was sentenced to 20 years in jail, period. Oh, my gosh. Okay. They weren't fucking with him at all. This should be the end. End of the story. Goodbye. Well, it's not. Because he only served 10 years. And was paroled and back on the streets. Mm. Mm. After serving a dime, he decided to move back to his old stopping grounds, Amsterdam, New York. Now, this is like 10 years later. So literally as soon as he got done dealing with the stuff that happened with Dorothy, he moved to Baltimore. That was 1958. He literally assaulted and kidnapped this woman got tried all in the year of 1958 and then by 1968 he's out so wow, 10 years 1968 fast i mean the trials are happening speedy gonzalez almost a year later to the day Limwell kidnapped and sexually assaulted a woman who managed to escape and survive uh, thank the lord is he an idiot yes <laughs> is he a violent dummy Yes, he is. Right. Like, why can't you just quit? What is going on with you? Girl, we're going to get to it. And later that same day, Kristen and everyone listening, he kidnapped and raped a 46-year-old friend of his own mother. (laughs) It's the gall for me. I mean, it's the violence and horrible attacks for me, too. But what? It's the utter disrespect the other disregard for the fact that you will get locked up. You don't even care that this is your mama's friend. Like, doesn't. So that means you have That's no respect like, for your mama. No, he doesn't, Chris. He can't have any respect for her. And I'm just thinking, like, something is going on. Like, this is this doesn't seem just violent and evil. It seems a little chaotic and... Mm-hmm uncontrolled Mm -hmm. and i know he's a disorganized killer but i'm just getting some other vibes say that say that we'll see we'll see say that (laughs) somehow that brave woman convinced limwell to let her go after he attacked her and when he did she reported the attack to police and limwell was once again arrested okay so is there a reason why you're not saying these women's names yes because they are not included Okay. Not public record. Some of these women probably didn't even want to be in the public eye. Right. And this is also 1958 or 1960s, late 1960s, you know. That makes sense. That makes sense. And for this attack, Lemuel was convicted and was sentenced to four to 15 years in prison. Now, I wasn't able to find what exact charges he was charged with, like whether it was kidnapping or a sexual assault or Even if he was charged for the other sexual assault that he did the same exact day, I don't know if all of that was coupled together because the sentence seemed a little minimal to me. Period. How are you going to already have a first offense of similar charges and be be convicted of 20 years and you serve 10, but your Mm -hmm. next offense, you have a lesser sentence? But it's the second offense. What sense does that make? At this point, he needs to be locked up for the whole 20. That's what I'm saying. Like, they should have 
Shit. Even if they gave him the four to fifteen, they should have tacked on the other ten that he didn't from serve the, from his first round. Right. But you got you out of way. Or at least make him serve the full fifteen. Right, right. But it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't. So I read in some places that he spent seventeen out of eighteen years of his sentence in jail, but that doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. per math, <laughs> hello, if he was locked up. <laughs> In 1969, and then committed the next crimes in 1976. That means he was only locked up for like six or seven years. So, yeah, people just be writing anything. That's why you got to double check your sources, people. So on October 5th, 1976, Lemuel was a free man again. Running the town. They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't Shouldn't have done that. that. There is no record that I could find of what Lemuel was doing with his life once he was released, but it didn't take long for him to go back to his murderous ways. Of course not. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. One's a trash bag. Always. Always. (laughs) Okay. That's not true. No. But when you do (laughs) one or two offenses and the first one, a woman was dead. Yeah. You need to be watched. Like a hawk, sir. On November 24th, 1976, which was the day before Thanksgiving this year. And remember, this is almost only two months after he was released. Mm. 48-year-old Robert Hederman and his secretary, 59-year-old Margaret Byron, were found in the back of the religious store that Mr. Robert Hederman owned. And this was in Albany, New York. They were both found stabbed multiple times and evidence found at the scene included hair and blood evidence, as well as fecal matter, which (laughs) you guys, Kristen just fell out. I'm out. Like fecal matter? You have to take it there. Who's? Kristen, the killers. Kayla, that's disgusting. Kayla, girl, some things are just evil and you just want to just you just want to fight and i just want to fight so bad don't tell me he crapped (laughs) on them kristen i don't think so that detail was not shared but why is there crap there (laughs) i'm just trying to figure out (laughs) what is going on you know what yeah it's really heartbreaking i just rest in peace to these people they did not deserve that they didn't deserve to be killed but they didn't deserve to be violated and and indignified in the worst way indemnified you're indemnified respond what what that means i don't know where you got that from weirdo okay (laughs) who transformers Mm -hmm. oh Oh, my my favorite thing okay so yeah it was bad and uh I just feel really bad. I think I'm more angry than sad Kill, because this was just fucking overboard. It was just apparent. Like, you just did too much. And it was probably because it was linked to some religious stuff. Like he probably felt some type of way about what his dad used to do with him and religion. And because this man owned a religious store, maybe it brought something out of him that was just like pure rage. That's possible. Or it could have been. Because of convenience, because apparently he was working in the nearby area at the time. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe it was just like in the moment, want to do this, whatever. Either way, it was fucking heartbreaking. And rest in peace, Robert and Margaret. From the bottom of yeah. our hearts, 
We unfortunately don't have any pictures of them because of the time. And even with their obituaries I found online, they didn't really have any pictures attached, which was sad. So rest in peace, you guys. So while police are investigating the murders of Robert and Margaret, another tragedy strikes. And just so you guys know, before they are like definitively, definitively able to say like Lemuel is our guy, they have to do whatever ancient forensic testing they had at the time. And that takes <laughs> girl, ancient. You said ancient. <laughs> Come on now. And that's going to take forever. So with the blood and the hair and, you know, the fecal matter DNA that they had, they had to wait to get information back on that. So in the meantime, Lemuel is still out doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. And on December 23rd, 1976, he's not in the Christmas spirit, you guys. Oh, no. He's out hunting for his next victim. Mm, mm, mm. And unfortunately, that victim was 24-year-old Joanne Richburg, who was found raped, murdered, and mutilated in her car, mm. Colony Center Mall in Colony, New York. Like, it just seems like most of his victims are also white women. Yeah, I don't, and I don't want to say, oh, it's because they're convenient targets, right. because he probably lives in a more populated black area you know mm -hmm. so i don't even know if he's purposefully looking out for white women or i just don't know police felt that they had a spree killer if not a serial killer on their hands and from evidence found at the scene they felt it was limwell who was responsible for this one too okay and it's kind of like he kind of has like a i want to say mo mm -hmm. so i know disorganized killers just kill and do whatever but we can see that he is extremely violent, even if his violence is inflicted in different ways and on different people. You know, he still is mutilating and, you know, violating their bodies. Right. Even after, I even after death. Ugh, disgusting. I would love to know what's the difference between a serial killer and a spree killer. Great. So a serial killer is someone, serial killer and spree killer, the real only difference is time between their kills. So mm -hmm. a spree killer is someone that doesn't take much time. They can do a killing within like two days, uh, you know, three or four days. I think the guy that we covered, what was his name? The one that was in California, the uh, one that was ex-military and he oh. ended up like going and killing a bunch of people. What was his I name? I think his name was Christian. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I can't recall. If you guys, we did an episode of him. And you he's guys the know one who wrote about. the crazy note. Manifesto. Right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Him. So I think he was considered a spree killer because all of his killings were in a concentrated time and area. So, yeah. I love how you crack up when I say Christian because I'm like, I really could have sworn his name was Christian or Nick. You pulled that out your ass. <laughs> Christian or Nick. <laughs> no. <laughs> That was cute, though. Nice we try. We covered so many people. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we have. Okay, anyway. We have. Okay. Now we know the authorities keep a lot of information from the public and the press, so the investigation doesn't get, you know, too tainted by outside opinions and blah, blah. So I'm assuming there were some details that they didn't share with us that made it easier for them to connect the two cases. Because they're so confident that Lemmy did all of this stuff, and it's like, where the fuck are you getting your facts, or... Right. So even though they feel like Lemuel did it, 
they can't arrest him, so he remains free pending an investigation. I mean, so they as can't of nineteen, question him, girl. I don't know if they they probably question him, but Lemmy's not going to tell them. Oh yeah, I did it. He's not going to give them anything, you know. So they have nothing to go on. So as of nineteen seventy six, Lemuel is suspected of three murders. You guys, and is still just ripping and running, doing whatever he wants to do. I don't even know who to blame in this situation. I want to blame the cops, but we all know that if you want to make it stick and if you want to do it right, you got to, you know, take the time. Take the time, which can risk other people's lives, but it's like... Which will risk other people's lives. Right. Barely two weeks later, on January 10th, 1977, a 22-year-old woman reported that a large man tried to lure her out of a gift shop that she was shopping at in Albany. Listen to this, y'all. When she was like, no, like, obviously she didn't want to go with the man. The man took her 60-year-old grandmother hostage and threatened to kill her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to picture this in my head. Like, we're in public. How the fuck? Like, what is going How on? Is no one calling 911? Like, what is going on? Girl. Well, onlookers were there and i guess they saw what was happening because someone came to assist and that's when lemuel threw the 60 year old woman down to the ground which knocked her unconscious what the fuck yes Kristen. like he he's a big guy so imagine all the force and just like hatred and power behind all that like it doesn't seem like he knows how to control his own strength or doesn't care to at the very least care to Mm mm-hmm and then he deliberately stepped on her hand, which caused it to break. Yeah. yeah. Square up. Girl. I, I, I just drop. imagined the scene where Opie from Sons of Anarchy was getting his behind whooped. Oh, I imagined, I imagined Lemuel being that person to get his behind whooped. Oh, I know. Kristen, what? I know. You just I had took to go me somewhere. I saw, it. I saw it. It hurt me too. But then it didn't because it was Lemuel. Oh, Opie. Rest in peace. Go watch Sons of Anarchy, everyone. Okay. So, yeah, Lemmy's a piece of shit. And when the woman saw Lemmy in the newspapers years later, she recognized him as the man that had attacked her. So I don't think that he was ever charged for this attack because obviously she, like, saw, you know, later Mm -hmm. saw him in the news. Like, that's the guy. So just so sad. Thank God they didn't lose their lives, though. Right. You know, that grandmother or her granddaughter. Fast forward seven months to July 22nd, 1977. Lemuel is still on the streets with three murder cases looming over his head and not seeming to give a fuck at all. Because on July 22nd, he approached 30-year-old Marilee Wilson in downtown Schenectady. Good Lord. Okay. Schenectady, New York. It's kind of sexy. Right. I'm not gonna lie. Jingle. Mm hmm. Makes me wanna jug a bit for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, this is not fun. So stop smiling. Her body would be later found that day strangled and mutilated near some train tracks in the same area. According to officers that were at the scene, they said the post mortem mutilation was worse than some of them had ever seen, like in their careers. Yeah, and I couldn't even find all of the details about it, which I'm a little bit happy about 
I'm like, because you guys know I like the the nitty gritty, but sometimes it just gets a bit much. Did you find anything? Yes, and we're gonna we're getting into it right now. So trigger warning, uh, graphic content warning. If you're on Patreon, prepare yourselves. She was raped and also had bite marks all over her body and on her face. Mm-hmm. So this man was biting her he's while a dog. he's yes, like killing her. So I'm going to include right here, like now, a little picture of her face. I'm not going to do like the whole picture, but there is a little graphic and very upsetting picture of Marilee and the, the wounds on her face. Like he literally bit her nose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you can tell that that's a bite mark because yeah. other people fucking could not. And we're going to get to it. Witnesses near the scene recalled seeing Marilee being accosted by a large man. And given the fact that Lemuel was known to frequent the area and that the MO was basically the same as his other attacks that, you know, police suspected him of, they felt that he was probably responsible for this one as well. Then get him. Like, what are we doing? Girl, it's just like, oh, I think he did it. Okay. Well, I just, I guess. Just gonna We're sit just on gonna, my ass and gonna go monitor to lunch. him and see if like, he does what? it again. Kristen, they're not monitoring him. That's the thing. They can put him under surveillance. They can right. do something. And nothing I feel like is being done. Just this weird. big black like, man, like out of all yes. people that you wouldn't want to track and monitor, now you choose right. not to track the big black man who's killing folks. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, done. Kristen. They pick the worst times to be racist, I tell you. (laughs) To be not racist. (laughs) To be racist and not racist, correct. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to point out that in 1977, Lemuel was 36 years old. And I read that he was diagnosed with schizophrenia at the age of 35. You guys. Mm -hmm. Which I don't know. Go ahead. I was going to say we can't even say that's the reason of the killings because he started way before then. But then again, he was only diagnosed at 35. He could have been struggling with this all his life. His entire life. Correct. Now, we don't really know where or how he was diagnosed. I'm assuming that it may have been while he was still in prison in 1976. Because that seems like that's the only time he even, you know, received medical care in any way, shape or form. So I'm not really sure. But I wanted you guys to know, since this is the same around the same time as the back-to-back murders, and all that type of stuff. On August 19th, 1977, 18-year-old Marianne Maggio, cute, who worked in the same area as Marilee, was kidnapped and raped by Lemuel. He is disgusting. After he attacked her, he forced her to drive him, like, back towards Albany, and that's when police stopped the car and arrested him, finally. So were they like looking for him or did they just happen to stop her because she did something? I'm thinking maybe the car was just stopped. There were no details in the papers that I found from the time of exactly why the car was pulled over. But yeah, the police stopped them. Maybe she was driving erratically. I don't know. Maybe maybe they saw Limwell in the car and were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who knows? But either way, they probably saved her life, you know. Wow. So remember the bite mark I mentioned? Well, the bite marks, I'm sorry, that I mentioned that were on Marilee's body. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, investiga- 
investigators weren't really sure about the mark on her face. They didn't know that it was an actual bite mark on her face until Lieutenant Don Pinto took a second look at the pictures taken of her body. And with his hunch, he went to the district attorney and said, yo, this is some serious evidence. I feel like this is a bite mark that we can pull and we need to get it. So with the permission of the district attorney and hopefully her family, they exhumed Marilee's body. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it seems like they're really trying to be active and trying to do stuff. I feel like there's only so much you can do, you know, in this time of forensic fucking dinosaur age. Yeah, it's like back in the day, like those are the people that were saying, I have a hunch, you know, like with no mm-hmm. real way of knowing why they feel that way or taking right. forever to prove that someone did something. Mm-hmm. They were just going off mm-hmm. of their gut half the time. Yep. And I'm glad that that Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan, no, oh, Lieutenant Don, <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Don <laughs> went with his gut and they got a compression from the bite mark on Marilee's nose and they found that it matched Limwell's bite mark. Wow. So this is crazy. Finally, they have something that they can stick to this dusty ass man and send his ass to prison. So police are finally looking a little less incompetent. And in late October of 1977, authorities transported Limwell to the Bleecker Stadium in Albany, where he would participate in a lineup. But mm. not just any lineup. Oh, no. Lemuel and four other men were randomly placed behind five screens at one end of the stadium. And at the other end was a police dog who had been given the scent of the feces-stained clothing from the Hederman store. No Remember that? Tail. That's what you Which did. happened. <laughs> You're so fucking tail. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the Hederman murders happened just 11 months before. So the dog walked across the entire stadium after, like, you know, getting the scent of that dog, funky booty, (laughs) and walked directly to Limwell Smith. Period. Okay. Okay. You may say that was a fluke. He got lucky. Oh, no. They did the experiment at least two more times, switching places, rearranging the men. And every time the dog successfully picked out Limwell. (laughs) <laughs> Could you imagine being so funky that <laughs> someone knows that you sh- shat this out? Okay, well, <laughs> not to the extent of poop, but the other day, literally, I came into the house and I came into the house. I was like, Mom, where's Lady? She was like, Oh, Dad's taking her out. So then, mm-hmm. like three minutes later, Dad comes in the house and he's like, Is Kristen here? And he, she was like, He was, Mom was like, Yeah. And she, he was like, Oh my God, Lady smelt the door near the garage. And mm-hmm. like booked it to the house. Like she was trying to get to the house. And I was like, Kristen must be here. And then lo and behold, he came in and I was here. So dogs just are amazing and they have a honker right here that smells. And if they know nice. your scent, they're going to find you. Oh God, my niece is so Shout amazing. out to my puppy, my stinker. She's incredible. She's snoring <laughs> right now, but love her. <laughs> love her. On March 5th, 1978, almost six months after the little experiment and the discovery of the bite mark match, police brought all of this to Lemuel, who basically been useless this whole time. He was in custody, claiming he was innocent, wasting everyone's time. 
But when faced with the pretty damning evidence, Lemuel and his attorney agreed that he would talk with investigators and tell them as much as he was comfortable with. And if he didn't sign off on the specific details, they couldn't use it. Mm. So basically, they could only use what he was telling them as like a direction for them to go in to maybe find more evidence and stuff like that. But they couldn't really use what he was saying against him in court type of thing. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what was this supposed to do? Like, where, was he trying to get time off? Like, that's a good question. I really don't know. I think, I think they were kind of like, well, he's going to be fucked regardless. So maybe if we help in some type of way, he may receive leniency, you know, when the trial comes. This is so crazy. I'm like, who is Limwell? He has <laughs> amazing way of just, Bobbing and weaving the doggone cops. Yeah. Now he has Slippery lawyers duck. that are telling him what to do and actually doing a good job at it. He's been silent <laughs> for six months. Who is this man? Is he a Chris, quarterback? He, like, who? I'm is like, he? is he famous? Right. Like he, it, it's, Should we know the, him well? Is he secretly white? I mean, the privilege <laughs> is beyond me. <laughs> okay. So the investigators agreed to the little deal and Lemuel got to spill in the tea. He actually confessed to five murders. So wow. literally all the murders he's been claimed to be responsible for, he confessed to, including the murder of Dorothy Water Street when he was just 16 years old. What wow. the fuck? And at this time, her... Her murder has been unsolved for 20 years. Justice. Goodness gracious. So, yeah. One good thing he did was fucking admitting it and giving the family some type of closure. After he already knew, like, I'm done. Of course. Of course. Literally, he wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have done it if they didn't show him straight up. Right. We got you. Along with his confession came more admissions about his lifelong mental problems that he claimed he suffered from. According to Lemuel, he suffered from multiple personality disorder and claimed that he'd been controlled by the spirit of his dead brother named John Jr. Yeah, apparently John Jr. died from encephalitis as a baby before Lemuel was even born. So, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say too much about it. I'm about to say, okay, sir. And it seems that there are some type of like validating claims one counselor said that other personalities besides john jr could also exist in limwell's mind so i'm not really sure how you can test like genuinely test if someone has other personalities people could be faking i don't know but hey his counselor said it so we're we're gonna try to believe it it was also determined that he'd suffered multiple head injuries as a child and teenager from what i don't know it wasn't specified maybe he played sports maybe he fought a lot right we don't know his father abused him well he wasn't physically abused okay from his claims he wasn't physically abused so that's refreshing lemuel's lawyers and doctors initially felt that he wouldn't be competent to stand trial when the doctors testified to his delusions and his state of mind they always stopped short of saying he was criminally insane so they were like, yeah, he's off his mother gang rocker, but he can stand trial. He's right. Fine. He was found fit to stand trial and was first facing the rape and kidnapping charges. And to be honest, from the articles that I read and 
all that good stuff. There was no distinction of exactly which rape and kidnapping charge he is being charged for because he committed so doggone many. But he was found guilty of the charge in Saratoga County, and on March 9th, 1978, he was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. Okay. So, something he's familiar with. All right. This is just a teaser. What's next? The murders. Thank you. Although, thank God that that woman got justice. Absolutely. Rape and kidnapping is no fucking joke. And we so. don't know if, I mean, you said you don't know which one was the rape and kidnapping, but was it linked mm-hmm. to the ones who were raped, kidnapped, and murdered? I don't think, no, that that is separate. I actually think this is for the kidnapping and rape that he did of the woman when they pulled him over. Okay. I think he's being charged for that. Okay. So, there we go. On July 21st of the same year, my birthday. Every time we pass my birthday, I'm going to say it. Lemuel was found guilty again for kidnapping, but this time it was in Schenectady, and he was sentenced to 25 years to life. Okay. Bada bing, bada boom. Shake it off a little bit. <laughs> I feel I'm I'm feeling a little bit, you know, Even better. A little loose, can, you know. I was like, I can sit up a little straighter. Shortly after this verdict, Lemuel attempted suicide. Ugh, punk. <laughs> well, okay, unsuccessfully. Not, I'm not gonna say that because we don't know what this man was dealing with mentally, but. It's but. it's it's interesting how he waits until he's completely locked down and isolated mm-hmm. after already committing 10 years, already doing 10 years in the clink. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, you want to commit suicide. So it's just he a did 10 bit. years and then he did six or seven years. So he spent a lot of time in jail. Right. So I can't even say that, oh, you know, now that he's isolated and he's in jail, he has to sit and think about it. That could have cracked him. I'm not going right. to say that because he did it nope. before. So I just think he felt like he was between a rock and a hard place and he had no way out. There you go, Pooh. Nice, nice, um, nice analysis. Nice analysis. I wrote in here, I said, after I wrote Lemuel attempted suicide unsuccessfully, I wrote, not yet, Lemmy. (laughs) 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 Not yet. The justice system ain't done with your ass. ain't done with you yet. (laughs) Lemuel still had to face another trial in Albany for the murders of Robert Hederman and Margaret Byron. And at this trial on February 2nd, 1979, he was too found guilty of both charges and was sentenced to a whopping 50 years to life. Let's play ball! So, yes, now time to celebrate. He is off the streets for good. Wow. I'm Paige, the host of Reverie True Crime. I tell stories of helpless victims, vicious killers, predators watching their prey before they strike, survivors, petty crimes, people we think we know who do the unthinkable, and the dangers that lurk not only in the dead of night, but in plain sight and the light of day. Every once in a while, I'll also tell stories of the frightening paranormal, elusive cryptids, haunted locations, and conspiracies that may be silly or thought-provoking. You can listen to Reverie True Crime wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Reverie Crime Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and even Tumblr at Reverie True Crime. Remember, stay safe, be aware of your surroundings at all times, and take care. This is so weird. I feel like we need to do research on who this man is. I feel like he's somebody's <laughs> uncle, daddy, that just had a, really, <laughs> that had a pool somehow, some way. I'm going to see if I can find some books about him Period. and see if they like go into depth and interview his like mom and stuff. In regards to the Mary Lee Wilson case and the Joanne Richburg case, remember our two good sisters. Yes. They decided not to waste the money on trying him for those cases, especially since he'd already confessed. I guess they were like, he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail anyway. We can save the money. Mm. So after facing three back-to-back-to-back trials, Lumi's ass is finally serving his life sentence at the Maximum Security Greenhaven Correctional Facility. Wow. <laughs> Thank God he is finally off the streets. I and mean, he seems- look at him. Mm. I'm looking at him as an old man. I hate that he's kind of cute as an old man. (laughs) I hate it. Kristen loves old people, you guys. (sighs) Not this one. Not this one. And he even seemed to be doing better. He seemed to be turning his life around. Mm -hmm. He was a well-behaved inmate for the most part and even became the assistant to the priest. Wow. Maybe like, he found what? God. Well, he knew God before. Apparently, he was raised on him, but I guess he, you know, came back full circle. Right. Maybe he resented, mm-hmm. you know, some things growing up, but now he's found a real relationship. Yeah. For my Patreon people, you can see this picture because I'm going to include it. And mm, think what you want. I don't think he's changed and we'll get to it. With this new title came some newfound freedom that most inmates don't get to experience at all. Greenhaven had over 2,000 inmates at the time and housed some of the most violent criminals in the state. In the whole state. Okay. Mm -hmm. So by 1981, by May 1981, Lemuel had been at this facility for about a year and a half, almost two years, and he's feeling real comfortable. And being, you know, the assistant to the priest, he probably feels like he's popping too. How did Which he just get makes that position within a year and a half to two years? He's I mean, because he child. has to be like a <laughs> he has to be like a master manipulator. There has to be something that's going on because I don't no. see it. Like we're not getting get much of this man's personality because I'm like, how is he finessing the game like this? Well, you're gonna get to see a little video of him in a little bit. Right. So I can't wait. I can't wait either. On May 15th, 1981, 31-year-old corrections officer, Donna Payant, so I saw it Payant and Pant, and so I'm going to do Payant, was on duty like any other day since she started her new job at the facility a month prior. So she'd only been there a month. Donna was a strong-willed woman who, against her husband's wishes, and her husband was also a corrections officer, she decided to just get the job anyway. He didn't want her to do it, but she said, fuck this, you know? Mm. I'm on life. I need some coin. Period. On that day in May, Donna received a phone call and told a coworker that she needed to go and take care of a pressing issue. And the coworker, like, didn't think anything about it. Okay. She's going to handle business. It's fine. 
But when Donna hadn't returned by the end of her shift, red flags started going up and hundreds of corrections officers combed the entire prison grounds throughout the night and into the following morning looking for her. What? Yeah, girl. She just disappeared. They even emptied trash dumpsters. And when they sifted through the trash, they found Donna's mutilated body. You guys, Kristen, to be kidding me. I'm not Kristen a fucking again, bitch. Again. This man has like deep rooted, incontrollable Mm. issues. (laughs) He done did it again. He's in the jail. And just. Kristen. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I, oh, girl, oh, girl, oh, girl, 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 girl. When I read about that, I was like, are you fucking joking me? I wanted to throw my laptop. This is crazy. Look at Donna, man. Right. Just adorbs. Like, she's the cutest thing. The same medical examiner that examined Mary Lee's body, his name was Michael Bodden. He was actually featured on a show called Autopsy, which I'm obsessed with, and it's on HBO Max. It kind of features some of the cases, some of like the tough cases that he had to face that he helped solve. It's really, really cool. Um, check it out, you guys. It's season two, episode six is this case. And he was called to examine Donna as well. He was initially told that she'd been probably strangled and she could have also been sexually assaulted. But there was it was really hard to tell because the bottom half of her body had partially been crushed by the, you know, the compacting the truck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was also told that her nipples had partially been bitten off by rats. Sorry, guys, for the graphic thing. But yeah. So when Dr. Biden did his thing and examined her, he realized that the bites were made by a human on her, you know, her nipple area. And that he actually seen a bite mark remarkably similar to this one before. Wow. And it was four years earlier on Marilee Wilson. This man is disgusting. Oh, yeah. Donna's death was met with an incredible amount of attention and publicity, and it may have been because she was the first woman ever, like ever in the country, to be murdered while working inside a prison. Mm, mm, mm. More than 5,000 officers attended her funeral, and the governor himself vowed to provide a swift response. And which was what? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm about to say it. It took them at least two months to even arrest someone. So was it that swift? But we'll get to it. It seemed like he was keeping his promise because initially everybody that could breathe, bitch, was a suspect. Her husband, the officers and staff at the prison, other inmates, even the brother of the assistant district attorney at the time was a suspect. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, I'm pointing the finger at all y'all, you know? Mm-hmm. But after Michael Bodden compared the bite mark impression found on Mary Lee to the one found on Donna's, you know, chest area, he saw that they were a match. And when both were lined up with dental molds of Lemuel's teeth, Patreon people, you see it, they were all confirmed to be a match. Wow. Can I do a hop, skip, and a jump? I think I'm real happy that they use that same autopsy person. I don't know what they're called. Morgus? Morgus? Morticians? <laughs> Forensic science people? I don't 
<laughs> I'm just so glad they used him because he would have been the only one that could have drew that connection in that short amount of time because right. he saw it before. <laughs> I'm I'm renaming myself to Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. Okay. And with this information, police were able to charge Limuel with Donna Payant's murder on June 6, 1981. And if convicted, since this was a capital murder charge, he would automatically be sentenced to death. Is that what he wanted? Like, did he not understand what was going to happen to him? I don't think he gave a shit and a half, Kristen. Some people are like, I am here to cause as much pain and hurt as possible, and then I'm gone. And I feel like he's that type of man, honestly. When asked about the murder, Lemuel didn't confess this time. Oh, no. He flat out denied it. Listen to this clip. And if you're on Patreon, watch this. As a person that's done some terrible things, right? But a person that struggled to change, right? And I think I've achieved that change. I think that's why I can sit here now and talk to you like this. Why I'm not screaming when I know what they've done to me. What, what a fucking try? loser. Look at the way his mouth is. Like, he has so much arrogance and pride. Yeah, Are girl. you kidding me? Like, super entitled, super, bitch, I'm going to get away with this. Like, he just doesn't, it, Chris, he does not give a fuck. Talking about, I know what they did to me. Shut Looking your like home. this, rolling his neck. Mouth all that's fixed why, up. That's why I'm not sitting here screaming. Oh, like somebody. Okay. This is bringing out the worst <laughs> to me. So I'm just going to stop. Yeah, talking. Let's keep going. <laughs> like I said earlier, this case was extremely high profile, which attracted two high profile lawyers named William Kunstler. Good Lord. That's close to cunt. <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> Lord. And then another man named C. Vernon Mason. So Mason was later, like in the future, I think it was later in the 1980s. Yeah. He was a main player in the Tawana Brawley case. So mm. I never heard, I've never heard of it before researching this case, but I'm going to let you guys in on what it is. So Tawana Brawley was a 15 year old girl who in November of 1987 accused four white men of raping her after she'd been missing for four days. Wow. She had racist slurs written on her body and she was covered in feces. Wow. The court concluded that she was not an actual victim of rape. And they even said that she probably made it up. Yeah. So we already know racism. I even saw that one or two of the men were like, one was a police officer. One was like a prosecutor that she accused, you know? So it was just so fucked up. Al Sharpton was an advocate on her behalf at the trial and stuff. So. Yeah, if wow. you guys want us to cover that that case, because we could, it will destroy me, but I'll do it for you guys. DMS. I was like, we probably know. have to kill. We've mentioned it at this point. Oh my God. What did I do? Okay. <sighs> I'm going to take, I'm have to smoke before we do that one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need something. That's so yes, hard. Mason, it is, it is. So Mason and Consular are coming to defend Limwell free of charge. Free of charge. Ill clout mm. chasers. Thank you, Kristen. Say that. The capital murder trial finally began on January 20th, 1983, more than one and a half years after Lemuel was arrested for Donna's murder. And according to records, the defense strategy, like basically all of them, was disgusting and degraded Donna's memory. Of course, they're not above soiling a 
good woman's name for some fucking bullshit. It's a part of their job. They allege that Donna was promiscuous and that she may have gone as far as to flirt with the other officers and inmates, which was never found to be true. Okay? You're fucking reaching. They also claim that guards were dealing drugs inside and outside of the prison. That could have been true. (laughs) Kristen, I said it probably was. Probably. What does that have to do with Donna's murder? Right. What does that have to do with Donna? Like, are they saying, oh, she found out and she would try to snitch? Like, I don't know what their bullshit conspiracy theories that they try to throw at the jury to confuse them. But they, it didn't work because when it came down to that bite mark evidence and those testimonies and literally seeing with their own eyes that it matched up, there was nothing that that defense could do. Lemuel was found guilty of capital murder on April 21st, 1983. Which means that he would automatically have to be sentenced to death. Period. And on June 10th, 1983, that's exactly what happened. Wow. Not saying I want to celebrate. Wow. But I'm just happy that with death row comes a lot more restrictions, I feel. Which he just, needs. I was going to say, I'm saying with him, I want this to be over. Like, I'm done talking about Lemuel. Like, the fact that he got away <laughs> with so much, even while he was in the freaking clink. Yeah, amazes girl. Amazes me. Like, I, I need to figure out who this man was. Period. I agree. I agree. The following year, however, on July 2nd, after appealing his conviction, stating the law as unconstitutional, his sentence was commuted down to life. I don't know why they are making these exceptions for this man. Who is this guy? It was Who is like- this guy? He's tethered to something supernaturally evil. Like, (laughs) what is going on? Girl, and I'm thinking maybe it's because of his mental health issues. They do try not to put you on death row if you have, like, mental, you know. This is true. But we have seen where this has not worked out for people. And in this time and closer to 2020, we've seen it happen where a person was mentally ill and the courts say, bump that and take him Mm -hmm. to the chair anyway so it's like what makes this man different i am so irritated by this girl (laughs) maybe his representation that's all i can really think Mm because dog on it seems like he has some shysty lawyers in his corner girl because (laughs) so because of the threat he posed even while in prison and after bragging y'all he bragged after being like his sentence being commuted down to life, saying that he could still murder and rape with no like nothing in his way, nothing in his way. Oh my god, I'm fucking losing it. He proves that with Donna. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But in response to that, the state was like, "Oh, oh no, you're going on ultra lockdown, bitch. Yeah, you're getting out of your cell." cell. Once a week, ho. Yeah, I can shake take your a head shower. like that again because your hair is all... You- <laughs> <laughs> You're going to lockdown, bitch. <laughs> Mommy and Matia. I'm g- <laughs> Guys, get on Patreon so we can have a party, right? At any oh. level, you can see this. He even tried to fight this. And claimed that his isolation was psychologically damaging him. Shut up. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. According to his doctors, though, he was only being treated for a mild anxiety disorder. 
just the utter disrespect. <laughs> I don't know why it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And he's like, oh, I'm being psychologically damaged. I'm sorry. You killed six people. You were already there. And you expect us to pity you? <laughs> After you just bragged that you did it and that you're going to do it again? Do it again? No. Kristen. Lockdown. Somebody's taking the piss and it's Lemuel. <laughs> Multiple people. No, it's, it's other people do. <laughs> other people do. He also claimed that he felt that he had the constitutional right to receive visitors like his mama. Some of his friends he felt like should have been able to visit him. He said that he should be able to talk with fellow inmates and he should also be able to attend church services. That's what got us here. That's what Mr. got us here. Assistant so needless priest. to say, Mr. Ex-assistant priest. Right. So needless to say, nobody was feeling that. And Lamwell would spend the next 20 years of his life in isolation. Mm. He is now incarcerated at Five Points Correctional Facility and is 80 years old. Wow. Yeah, girl. Man, oh, man. There has to be a documentary about this man. Oh, there has to be. There I tried to lean. To I tried to lean more so on court documents and stuff like that, just to try to keep it as, you know, accurate Objective. as possible. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna probably look for something more because I need to know about this piece of shit. I mean, he's so entitled. Like, yeah. where did he get this attitude from? Where do you get off, sir? There was some corruption going on. No surprise, but it is surprising that someone was actually held accountable for it. So Raymond Aldrich Jr. was the 15-year presiding judge of Dutchess County and the same judge that oversaw Donna's case. And this man was removed from the bench altogether. Like, not just from the case. He had his, like, licensing or whatever revoked as a judge. What happened? Mm -hmm. On March 24th, I think March 24th of 81, the Court of Appeals agreed with Lemuel's defense, citing that Aldrich made, quote, racist, sexist, and vulgar comments Mm -hmm. while he was on the bench. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, they were like, well, you're unprofessional as hell. Get the fuck off. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the end of our case for today. It was a long one. Uh, Look at Kristen. Could bang my head against the wall. Like, this just does not make any sense. And it's so, it's so crazy, like, how we continue to do more cases and stuff. You almost want to see a pattern within the judicial court system and how they make their decisions within the killers themselves. And I have yet to find a freaking pattern on Mm -hmm. how to make sense of how people slip through the cracks. How yeah. people are actually who make it to execution. There's no real pattern yet. And it just amazes me. And it frustrates me because it seems like when it comes to the law, it's subjective, bitch. Even like though you can read a law. Go ahead. Exactly. You can read a law that tells you, oh, this is not okay. But then somehow a fucking judge, because they ultimately make the decision in the moment, they say, eh, well, not in this case. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's so dangerous. And that's why it's like you should just never try to put yourself in a situation where you could be in that type of situation, Shoot. period. Because nobody's going to, you know, who the fuck knows how it'll come out for you. At the end of the day, it's literally your life is being placed in the hands of people's opinion. There's no matter yep. how many cases you can draw yep. from, you can say because of the precedence of this case, at the end of the day, blah, it's blah, based blah. on those person's opinion. 
Yeah. So rest in peace, Dorothy Water Street, Robert Hederman, who was a Bronx native, by the way. Rest in peace to Margaret Byron, Joanne Richburg, Marilee Wilson, and Donna Payant. Rest in peace. Oh, my goodness. Our hearts go out to you guys and your families. Lemuel, burn for a long time. Like, burn. And the fact that he's still alive, get out of my face. Is annoying. <laughs> and super inconvenient. Goodbye. But yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Don't ever, ever, ever forget to be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space. So we here at Black True Crime don't have to cover your case. Honey Bye. Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.